Hey, you're listening to Blue Jean Church's podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. To learn more about Blue Jean Church in Selma, Alabama, visit us at www.bluejeanselma.com. I was thinking about speaking this morning. I thought, I was, at first I thought, well, I'm, I'm really going to have to dog Bob a little bit for putting me the Sunday after Rock Hobbs until I realized that I was the guy that raised his hand and said, hey, I'll do the 17th. And so, you know, but uh, lest you guys uh, think that you're going to be entertained as much as Rock would entertain us, I do no turkeys, no eagles. My wife says every now and then I do a pretty good buzzard, but you know, that's beyond the point. Uh, this morning, I'd like to share a message with you that I call the, the road less traveled with the parentheses that it might just be the right one. Uh, there is a poem that was written in 1916 by a gentleman by the name of Robert Frost, and at the, at the end of that poem, there is a, a, a very popular uh, phrase that says, two roads diverged into a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, Scripture would word that same concept like this. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And many, many enter in through it. For the gate is small, and the way is narrow, that key phrase, leads to life and there are few that find it. One of the things that Rock gave me, one of the instruments or um, pieces of equipment that he gave me uh, as I was going through the uh, Transformation Ministries is a book called The Cure. And uh, if you have an opportunity to pick this book up, uh, I, would, I would highly encourage it. I'm, I'm, I'm studying through this book and it's really revealing a lot of stuff about me uh, that uh, has been placed on me layer upon layer upon layer over the years. And I think that's part of what uh, getting to know Jesus more intimately does is it peels back those, those old layers, those old hurts, those old, the things that have been thrown on us for, in my case, 63 years of some pretty bad programming. And that's what God wants to do is he wants us to be on that path that leads to life. And in the book, The Cure, it, it addresses two different paths. And that's what I'm going to look at this morning. Uh, the first path is a path that I know very well. I will be the first one to tell you. I know this path inside and out. And it's called the path of good intentions. And you know, that's what the, in America today, Americanized Christianity, that's how a lot of people define Christianity is by their good intentions, by doing the right things, by saying the right things, dressing the right way, going the right places, not going the wrong places, etc. And you know, they, it, if you look at the word intend, the word intend, intention is a goal, a purpose, or a plan. And again, that's how many people walk out 
their Christianity is trying to read their Bible every day, trying to attend church regularly, trying to tithe, trying to do this, trying to be a good person. And you know, if I, I looked at some studies and some polls this week, and this one was actually from a Christian college. It says of the people polled, 63% of American adults believe that having faith matters more than that which you have faith in. And you know, folks, that's a very slippery slope when 63% of Americans believe that it's really not about what you have your faith in. It's just about having faith. And you know, if you look around, there's a lot of people that have a lot of faith in a lot of things that are false. If we look through Scripture, I, I, it's just popped in my head, and I believe that I, I didn't study it this week, but I think it was the church uh, in, in the area of Ephesus. And Paul, uh, and again, forgive me if I'm misquoting this, but Paul says, I can see that you folks are really religious. He says, because you've got so many gods, you've even got one God out here that's named to the God, that's, that's marked out for the God that doesn't even have a name. And that's the world we live in today in America. People have set up so many gods around us that we don't know who we're worshiping anymore sometimes. 63% of the folks say that it mat faith matters more than what you have faith in. 48% in this study say that a person that is generally good or does enough good things for others will, keyword, earn a place in heaven earn a place in heaven and of the study only 33% one third of the individuals polled believed that salvation only comes through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ well you know in a, in a, in a poll like this I am grateful that I'm in the minority Okay, I'm grateful that I'm in the minority because Scripture makes it so clear that there is one way to heaven and that is through the person of Jesus Christ um, the, the, the story, I, I was thinking about this and thinking about these statistics, and the story of the rich young ruler popped into my mind from Matthew 19, 16 through 22. And if you remember the story, Jesus had an encounter with a man that we refer to as the rich young ruler. And the rich young ruler comes to Jesus, and in verse 16, he says, Teacher, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? And you know, that falls right back into this category of individuals that think that by being a good person, doing the right things, what good thing must I do, okay? And the problem with this, the problem with the rich young ruler, the problem with this, these statistics that I've given you is that it discounts the need for a savior. If I can do it on my own, guess what? I don't need a savior. And the songs we were singing this morning were nothing but fairy tales. Well, I'm here to challenge you and to tell you that they are not fairy tales, that this book is not a fairy tale, and there is a path to heaven, and that is through the person of Jesus Christ in a personal relationship with him, not on my own good intentions, not on my own works. In fact, Romans 3.10 says that there is none righteous, no, not even one. None righteous. Romans 3.23 says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Um, Isaiah 64, 6 says that my righteous acts are like filthy rags compared to God's grace, God's goodness, God's perfection. So the truth is I cannot earn my way regardless of how many good intentions I have. 
And like I said, I've done this for so many years. And you know what I found it, it does? And yet it, the silly thing is I sometimes will, will slip back into it, okay? All it does is make you tired. That's really all it does is trying to work it up, trying to be good enough, trying to do it, you know, put enough check marks on this side. It, all it does is make you tired. It makes you frustrated. It makes you angry. The path of good intentions is the path that is signified by the wide gate. And it says that there are many there that are walking that path. But I encourage you and I encourage our, our Blue Jean family at home to, to not be on that path. To not be on that path. But rather than that, to be on the path which is the path of grace. The path of grace. You know, we speak a lot about grace in church. Uh, or I have over the years. And I don't think I know in my heart as much about grace as maybe I do in my head. Does that make sense? Okay. I understand the concept of grace. I understand the concept of God's unmerited favor that I don't have to do the next good thing, the next good intention, that I can rest in what he has already done. And folks, for me, I hope it's not as much for you, but for me, that is a very difficult thing very difficult thing because most of us have been trained to act it out, to work it out, to do this, to do that, instead of resting in God's completed work. Let me give you some, some concepts I, I was studying this week about grace. Grace is love that seeks you out when you have nothing to give in return. Now, you know, isn't that just about opposite to the way, to the way humanity works? Humanity works out in reaching out to someone that you feel can do something for you, right? That's a, in fact, if we look at the Greek words for love, that is probably a pretty good definition of the word phileo, brotherly love, the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia. You know, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. You do this for me, I'll do this for you, okay? And that is a, that is a form of love, but it's more like a form of like, to be honest with you. Okay, it's more like a form of like because I will like you if you're treating me back the way I'm treating you or better. Okay, um, Matthew five three, uh, at the very beginning of the Beatitudes, the very first Beatitude really paves the way for the rest of the Beatitudes, I believe, because in in that verse in in um, Matthew five three, Scripture says, "Blessed are the poor in spirit." for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Several years ago as I was reading through those Beatitudes again, it hit me that why is this one first? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And I think the answer to that is until I absorb the fact that I am literally spiritually bankrupt, that I have no funds to draw from, okay, spiritual bankruptcy, I'm not going to reach out to a Savior. See, as long as I have something that I can kind of uh, barter with or work with, I'm probably going to try to do it under my own. Again, going back to that road of good intentions. But when I recognize that I am poor in spirit, that I am spiritually bankrupt, then guess what I'm going to be more apt to do? I'm going to reach out to a Savior, a Savior that desires for me to, to be with him. Uh, grace is love that seeks 
you out when you have nothing to give in return. John 15, 16 kind of gives us insight into this. Where scripture says, where Jesus is saying, he said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to bear fruit, fruit that will last. And what he's telling us there is that salvation, see, I've seen it on church billboards before. Choose Jesus. Choose Jesus. Well, the fact of the matter is, Jesus chose you. Jesus handpicked you and said, I want this one to be my child. I love this person. I care for them. I want to meet their needs. I want to provide salvation for them. I desperately love them. You did not choose me, but I chose you. Several years ago, I had, uh, I had a dream. I don't dream often. Um, and if I, if I really have a God dream, it's something generally significant. It's kind of like one of those wake up, Ray, kind of moments, okay? And in this dream, and I don't think I've ever shared this with you before, but in this dream, I was at a country club-like place, which I'll be the first one to tell you is not the kind of place I hang out much, okay? Uh, so, so I'm at this country club place, and uh, it, we're at the tennis courts there. And uh, I'm not a great tennis player, but I used to be a halfway decent hack back in the day, okay? And so, so in, in the tennis courts, we're warming up before a match. And I'm, I'm telling you, I wasn't just bad. I was awful. I was knocking the balls out of the fence where we couldn't play with those balls anymore. It was that bad. I mean, it was horrendous play. But I felt like, okay, I was going to have to play because there were two of us there and then some other guys came up okay and one of the guys that came up was and I have no other way to say this but the, this guy was the man you could tell you could tell by his presence you could tell by the way he carried himself you could just see something this is the man this is the man and when I saw the man play I was like okay I was easing my way out of there because now there was enough people there that I did not have to play. They were going to be able to play doubles without me. I wasn't necessary anymore, right? And so I was just going to quietly slide away so as not to embarrass myself anymore. Do we do that in our lives? Man, I do. I do. But you know what happened? The man, the man turned and looked at me and he said, I choose you. I'm like, why do you choose me? I'm not worthy. I'm not good. I'm awful. I'm, I'm, you, you, saw, you saw what I was doing with this tennis racket today. But you know what? God looks at you and he feels the same way. He is the man that loves you when you have nothing to give him in return. He desperately loves us. That's the path of grace. That's the path of grace, not the path of good intentions. Grace is being loved when you are unlovable. Man, some days, uh, Donna's in Gadsden, thank God. Thank you, Lord, because <laughs> she would probably give a big amen to some of these things. But, man, grace is being loved when you are unlovable, okay? 
There are some days that I just, I am just not lovable, okay? I am just not lovable, not in a good mood, don't want to be in a good mood, unlovable. You know what scripture tells us? But God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Let me paraphrase that. I hope not poorly, but let me paraphrase that. When I'm at my worst, he's at his best. When God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we are yet sinners, not when we spiff ourselves up, church, not when we work back over here on the flip side of my page with all these good intentions, you know, read your Bible, go to church, go to Sunday school. I've got all the check marks. No, it's just good intentions. You know, another uh, couple of verses just popped into my mind. Um, and I don't know if I'll be able to pull them all up. It's 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 15. Um, and he talks about works in those verses, okay? And uh, in those verses, he said that uh, some of you build on, your, uh, on uh, your foundation or your home, I can't remember the exact word he uses, with wood, hay, and straw, okay? He says, but some of you build with gold, silver, and precious stones. He says, there will be a day of testing, Okay, when fire will test each of these works and those of us who have put up a whole bunch of wood, hay, and straw, good intentions, says they will be burnt away. But the ones that build with the gold and the silver and the precious stones, all that will happen when they are tested by fire is they will become more pure. That's what, that's what grace does. That's what God's grace does for us. Give, let me give you another one. Grace is irrational in the sense that it has nothing to do with my qualities or gifts, whatever they may be. You know, and again, even in a church setting sometimes, we, we rate people by what kind of gifts or qualities they have. Oh, he can play the guitar. I tried to play the guitar. Uh, I did. I went to a really good teacher, and I was so poor, he moved off to Japan. Uh, I tell her, I, 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 he was moving back home. I don't think it was me, but, you know, he, he, he really did. He, he moved to Japan. I don't know if it was to get away from me or not. But anyway, you know, I can't play the guitar. My fingers will not do those little things, okay? And some people get look at the qualities of, of being able to teach or preach or sing or do this or, or, or small group or whatever, God doesn't look at us that way. Thank goodness he doesn't look at us. He doesn't look at us in relationship to how good or not so good our gifts are. And then the final one of these is grace is a one-way love. A minute ago I mentioned the word, the Greek word phileo, okay, and how it was that brotherly love. The, I'll scratch your back if you'll scratch mine, okay. Now, grace is a one-way love, which is the Greek word agape. Uh, I, I, heard, I had the privilege of watch, uh, watching a seminar that one man did, and he equates to agape as the straight arrow, the straight arrow that gives without expecting anything in return. A lot of those arrows have hooks to them, but the God love, the grace of God is a straight arrow that, that, is, that is one way. The problem that I have most days is not knowing which path is the right one, but staying on that path. 
because we do have a tendency, and I will be the first to confess, we do have a tendency to want to go back to that old familiar way of doing things by being good enough, by reading a little bit more, by studying a little bit harder, by doing a little bit this. And we, we, we tend to go back to that. Uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2 talks about the living sacrifice. You, most of you know that verse, you know, that urge you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living, holy sacrifice, etc. Okay, the, the problem, I heard a, a preacher preach this once. He said, the problem with a living sacrifice is it has a tendency to crawl off the altar. Ooh, wow. And I was thinking, oh, that's kind of me, okay? You know, because I, I, I get fired up. I put myself right on that altar doing exactly what God wants me to do. And the next thing I know, I'm, 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 my attention is diverted and I'm moving off the altar that he wants me to be on and, and moving off in a different direction, going back to that old familiar and God does not want us to be. He wants us to live new and fresh lives of grace with him. Uh, it says, uh, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's what the verse uh, 2 in, in uh, Romans 12 tells us. And that's how it happens, folks. We have to allow our minds to be transformed so that we can prove what the will of God is. The will of God for you and I is to walk on this path of grace, is to walk in His love, is to understand that He cares for us without us having a set amount of qualities or do goods or do whatever. And, and I'll, I'll close with this. I'll close with this. And, it's my, and I, I share this story most times when I preach because it's one of my favorites. Because it really gives us a clear picture of this story that I'm talking about this morning. The path of good intentions versus the path of grace. And uh, it's the story that I absolutely love of Mary and Martha. And uh, if you remember the story, there was Mary and Martha and Lazarus and they were friends of Jesus. And Jesus comes by their house, you know, I, I can't comprehend that. that, that would have to be so great it's going to happen one day okay uh and so so jesus comes by their house and uh and martha is the good intentions person isn't she she is the good intentions person she's up cooking doing this doing that taking care of business and everything else now mary look at mary she's on the path of grace Mary's right at the feet of Jesus absorbing everything that Jesus is sharing with them. And that's a real, to me, a real clear picture of the path of good intentions or the path of grace. And Jesus, toward the end of that story, he said, Martha, because Martha, you know, once, the, remember the good intentions? Once we do so many of those good intentions that we're not being rewarded or, or appreciated or something like that, what do we do? We get frustrated, angry, upset, Okay. And so, so that's what happens, right? She's done the good intentions. I mean, she's done them well. And then we get kind of burnt out and we say, well, G Jesus, she's sitting at your feet doing absolutely nothing. Oh, gosh, this sounds like me. Oh, I'm sorry, but it does. I mean, you know, she's sitting at your feet doing nothing. And look at me. I'm running around, I'm mopping the floors, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Look, look at me, Jesus. 
And he says very gently and beautifully, he says, Martha, he says, you worry about so many things, good intentions, right? He says, but really one, only one is important, the path of grace, and Mary has chosen that path. And I was, I, I've shared with y'all before, uh, I, I didn't get clearance from Josh to share this, uh, but uh, so I might get in trouble. But um, he said that uh, God was speaking him to him the other day as he was on his run and he was in the cemetery. He said, I don't know why God speaks to me in cemeteries, okay? But, uh, but I, you know, hey, hey, wherever God speaks to us is a good place, okay? Let me just tell you that, okay? Well, God speaks to me real clearly, and I've shared this with you before. God speaks real clearly to me when I'm on my mower, when I'm cutting my grass, okay? I think the only thing that might be better, Josh, is if I was mowing the cemetery, okay? Just saying, okay, uh, that, that popped into my brain last night. I don't know why, but it's probably a dangerous place to go. But anyway, um, but I was, I was th thinking this story as I was cutting my grass, uh, and, uh, and I was thinking, yeah, I was kind of, I was beating myself up, okay? I, I was. Boy, Jesus, why can't I be more like Mary? Why can't I be more like Mary? Why, why, why am I so stuck in this Martha mode? And uh, he, he, he kind of just real, like he kind of did with Martha. He just kind of kindly said, Ray, he said, I love the Marthas too. I love the Marthas just as much as I love the Marys. And he said something else. He said, guess where Martha is right now? And then I had a picture of Martha at his feet. And I thought, okay, God, this is, this, okay, you just, okay, my, my mower now is, it's off the ground, right? Okay, I mean, it's just like we're in the seventh heaven here because it was so good. And, uh, and I was like, thank you, Lord. Thank you for that affirmation that, that even when I'm at my worst, you're at your best, that you commended your love toward me while that I was a sinner. You died for me. You desire for me to walk in grace. And I mean, it's by grace that we are saved through faith. Grace, is, grace matters. Grace matters. And God would say to you and to I, I think this morning, a word from... Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 19, he says, I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse, so choose life. Choose the path of grace. Let's pray. Father God, give us wisdom. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you want to tell us in our heart, Father. Change us from the heart out, Lord. Help us to be ones that walk the path of grace, the path, the, even though it's narrow, and there's not a lot of folks doing that one, okay? Help us to be ones that take the challenge and follow you in that path of grace, Father. Lord, help us to, to, to devote ourselves, to, to give you that living sacrifice every day, maybe multiple times a day, to be that living sacrifice so that you can live in us, through us, and do your work with us. Father, I just pray blessings over each person that's here this morning. I pray blessings over the people that are at home. I pray blessings over those that are sick, 
Joe mentioned that Joanne was sick. And Father, there's so many people right now, Lord, that just need your touch. So Father, right now, I just pray that you reach out. Reach out and minister to people supernaturally as only you can. Touch people and change people today. And let it begin with me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope this message has equipped and inspired you to transform people, your community, and the world through the love and power of Jesus Christ. Whether you're from Selma or anywhere you're listening from, we'd love to hear from you. Visit us online at www.bluejeanselma.com. Thank you.